Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Welcome to Industry Focus. I'm Nick Seipel. This week, we're discussing a sleepy student loan servicer that just could be a hidden gem. Joining me to break it down is Motley Fool Canada analyst Jim Gillies. Jim, thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me on, Nick. You're going to say it just could be a hidden gem? No, 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 no. This is a hidden gem. Yeah, so, so this actually is, is an active <laughs> recommendation here uh, from Hidden Gems Canada. The company we're going to discuss today is Nilnet. I'm familiar with the company because that's my student loan servicer. Back when you know we weren't in permanent forbearance because of the pandemic, I used to give them uh, 400 bucks every month. Sometime here, here very soon, I imagine I will, I will resume uh, those payments. What got Nelnet on your radar as a business to invest in? What do they do? Well, honestly, okay, so Nelnet is, I think it's in the running for probably the most boring business you're going to find. Uh, they don't do quarterly conference calls. Their quarterly reports are, um, this is a finance company, as you've mentioned, that mainly student finance, mainly student loan finance, although there's a bunch of other things under the hood. So the... Um, the 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 quarterly releases can be a little eye watering, frankly. Um, it is not a sexy business. Uh, what I what I love about this company, because I'm kind of a weird kind of guy, I've realized. Um, what I love about this company is when I kind of started polling fools. Hey, you ever heard of Nelnet? Hey, have you heard of Nelnet? Uh, to a person, when I polled them, they said, "Oh, Nelnet, yeah, they." They do my student loans. God, I hate them. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like so I mean, like, that's just that is just you know throwing candy at me. Like, oh, I got to go look at this um, because usually when you know people hate a company but are forced to keep on giving it money, um, you know that's kind of a power. That's a powerful motivator for for me as an investor. Yeah, you talk about inverting, right? Um, if you find a company that customers can't stand, but they keep coming back to every year, more often than not, you're finding a company that's monopolistic in some way. So the classic example is Comcast, right? Now, you, we won't hear very many people out there that have positive things to say about Comcast, but if you look at the stock in the company, it's done quite well over an extended period of time because you don't have another alternative. The government gives them a, uh, a, a, a monopoly. And, and in this, this instance, um, Nelnet owns the contract for, for servicing government student loans, right. at least for yeah. now. At least for now, again, like then that's uh, then you know. So so I, I'm already my appetite was already whetted when I when I I, I honestly don't remember. Uh, I I saw a few things around Twitter or references to this ticker. I'm not sure what was the immediate catalyst to make me say, "Oh, you've got you've got to look at this." Because I I look at a lot of blogs. I look at, I guess they're Substacks now. Uh, I I go to, I go to a lot of Substacks. I go to a lot of blogs. I very active on Twitter, as you know. Um, and so I, this, it just came on my radar and I started reading stuff and then flipped over some, oh, these guys and, uh, got very intrigued, uh, you know, uh, because it is such a, it, it's, I mean, there, there's so many really neat little factoids about this company and that I think are important on, uh, I mean, not on a specific day like today where the markets tend to be, um, red and ugly. Uh, but just in general, like, uh, you know, if, if, if you were going to ask me to, to buy a company and put it away and not look at it for 10 years, 
I can't look at the price quote. I just have to buy and hold. Nelnet is among the two or three companies that I would consider for that position, to be honest with you. Um, because they, it is it is out of Nebraska. Some other company on that list is out of Nebraska. Some, I don't know, Berkshire or something or other. Um, but it's out of Lincoln, Nebraska, as opposed to Omaha. Not that that matters or anything. Uh, you know, it is run by a guy. There used to be two or two main co-founders. Uh, one has sadly passed away at a fairly young age a couple of years ago. But uh, the the remaining co-founder is still the largest shareholder, is chairman of the board, is also managing the estate of the other former co-founder. Um, the if you look at the board, uh, you know, the board level of the company, it's all Lincoln no, uh, notables. Um, you look at, like I said, they, they don't do investor conference calls. Like they, like their earnings come out, but you kind of got to go looking for it. Like they're not necessarily gonna, like they're so off the radar. I, I think if you closed the stock market for 10 years and didn't let these guys trade, I think they'd be fine. They'd be like, eh, whatever. That's cool. Um, but it's, it's this neat little, I mean, unlike a Berkshire, which is what five, 600 billion market cap now, um, Nelnet's still sub 3 billion market cap. And it's got its fingers in a whole bunch of really interesting pies. It scares you upon first glance at it because you look at it and it's got, oh my goodness, this, this $3 billion, sub $3 billion company has 20 plus billion in debt. Uh, I, I, and, I mean, that's enough. You know, the, you know uh, If you're going to run a screen or if you like to do screens for your favorite industries or your favorite companies, that falls out there, right? Most people are going to go, nope, we're out, we're gone. Um, so it's, it's just this, there's so many neat little foibles that I find attractive from an investment that, uh, again, it's not your big, sexy growth company. I'm sorry if that's what you're here for. I am not the guy to talk to. Um, but it's just, a, it's a, I think as a, as a, a bedrock position in a portfolio, I, you know, I, you could do a lot worse. Right. So you talked about, uh, you know, the founder still has a significant stake. If you look at S&P Capital IQ, it'll say he owns 20% of the stock outstanding. He has some other uh, vehicles that, that own a, a larger percentage. But you talked about this isn't necessarily a high growth story. You're, you're very much a cash flow based investor. And I think when you look at Nelnet, it is very much a cash flow capital allocation story. We're getting this bucket of cash coming in. And we need to trust these managers to invest that cash. So you mentioned earlier that the large debt on the balance sheet and the student loan portfolio, that is one of the main generators of the cash that the company will, will deploy. So, so let's talk about that first, and then we'll maybe go into some of the other places sure. they're putting cash to work. So, so where is the cash coming from on the, the student loan portfolio side of the business? Okay. Well, what, what I'm going to hit first is uh, if you look at total insider ownership, Nick, it's actually about 44%. So it's almost 50%. Own, which, so I, I, as you mentioned, the CEO's got, or sorry, Former CEO, current chairman of the board, has got a big stake, but he also has other vehicles and what have you. So, but yeah, so let's let's talk about the giant pile of money. Okay, so they have about a twenty billion dollar ballpark. What's a billion here? A billion there? Uh, a twenty billion dollar portfolio of a type of student loan that is no longer made. Okay, that they, they, they no longer uh, the, these types of loans are no longer originated. I think Obama under the Obama administration they were phased out, but people have still got to pay their loans, right? Or there's still loans that are that are outstanding. And so these guys uh, have about 20 billion, and, and a lot of that is finance. So that's what the uh, the the loans are on the balance sheet, and then they're also financed with the debt structures on the balance sheet, which makes you know 
people get scared. Don't be scared. Um, because, you know, the, the really interesting thing about this $20 billion um, dollar portfolio of what I'll call obsolete type of student loans is it's about 98% government backed, government guaranteed. Um, so, uh, gee, okay. Uh, I guess I'm not that scared of the, uh, uh, if, if, if all students decide they're not going to pay their loans going forward, governments, everybody defaults 100%, which of course never happens. Um, government's on the hook to pay it. Uh, and and moreover, you have a cash flow forecast from this company. So this uh, now it, it's not all there. As I said, there's a financing vehicle back. But but basically, the the long and short from this portfolio is they are going to pull out between now and uh, I don't know if I have the final date up on my screen here. Yes, I do. Now through uh, probably about 2035, uh, they are going to pull approximately $2.3 billion in cash just from this, what I'm going to call a slowly melting ice cube of a portfolio. Because this isn't their actual student loan business for now. This is just the cash that's coming in for this obsolete type of loans that are in runoff. So $2.3 billion in cash over the next, say, 15 to 20 years. But $1.5 billion of that cash is expected to come in in the next five years. And do you remember that part where we said this is a sub $3 billion company? So we haven't talked about any of the business here. We haven't talked about any other ventures. I'm just talking about the cash flow that's going to come in from the slowly melting ice cube is basically half the value of the company today. Oh, and by the way, there's a real business. And there are multiple real business lines under. So that's kind of the first part that makes you go, well, this is interesting. And and so that, I, I mean, I don't know if you want to, you know, just comment on that for a minute or you want to move on. But but that that's kind of, I, I look at that and say, like, a, as a cash flow guy, what what kind of a discount rate? Like, how much should you discount this $2.3 billion, even the $1.5 billion coming in the next five years? If it's a government guarantee, do you discount it at, you know, 2%? Three percent. I mean, like, uh, you know, I, I, in my valuation process for Hidden Gems Canada, I think I did three cases. Where I did three, five, and seven percent. I don't believe any of them, frankly. Uh, in a world where you have a government guarantee for almost the entirety of the of this cash flow stream, is there a reason I'm not using the five year five year Treasury bond? Like, it's it, it, it that one point five billion that's going to come in the next five years. Maybe let's call it one point three billion in value to the company. Okay, so now we've got one and a half billion of other value to explain uh, for the present value of the company, which I think we can do real easy. Right. Yeah. And maybe one last thing that we, we should talk about on the student loan. So I know a lot of people are listening and they have this question. Well, what happens if if you know student debt? gets retired and, and how does that impact Nelnet? The interesting thing here is it actually makes the duration of those cash flows come nearer to present day. Uh, but, hey, if you, if you want to cancel student debt, be my guest. That's a $20, $20 billion check that lands in Nelnet's account tomorrow. I, I, because like these, you, you just can't simply say, um, well, we cancel all student debt, whoever owns it you're out of luck. You're you're never gonna get repaid. Like like the government, because they're the guarantor here, government steps in and pays it. So if 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 you want to cancel student debt, and I know that's a big subject down there, um, if you want to cancel student debt, go ahead. It, it actually will probably benefit Nelnet by a significant dollar amount, and certainly from a time perspective. Right. So they so so I, I think 
you know, base case we have 100 excuse me, base case, we have $1.5 billion in cash flow coming in the next five years that the company has to deploy. And then, you know, over the next 10 years, uh, you know, another $800 million or, or, or billion or so to roll off, which, which could, you know, depending on how things play out from a policy, policy point of view, be accelerated earlier on. And we're taking this cash and then redeploying it into other parts of the business trying to find a return. Where else is Nelnet Deploying that cash, what are the other business lines where we see some growth? Because the, the student loan business is in runoff, as you mentioned. Well, the, the, the owned portfolio is in runoff. The student loan business is not. Uh, and and that's, the, that's the thing. This is a, so it's probably best to think of Nelnet as I pull my notes up here and try to delay a little bit. Um, so, so Nelnet's kind of a, um, it's a multi-headed beast. So the, uh, what we'll call Nelnet Financial Services, NFS, that's the portfolio in runoff. Uh, so we've covered that. Uh, there is uh, Nelnet Communications, which is a, a wholly owned or was a wholly owned uh, fiber to the home business. Because what's, you know, what's more alike than student loan servicing and, uh, sorry, student loan, owning student loans and collections and, you know, bringing cable to the home, but it's something that they invested in uh, a number of years ago. Uh, they've rolled it out through Nebraska and Colorado, and they recently, as in I believe the transaction was completed last December, they announced it beforehand, but I think the completion was December, um, they sold a majority stake to uh, to a private equity group who, who has more experience in doing this. So I believe they've retained about 45% of that business. But the, the cool thing about that is we have a fairly... Um, we have a, we we have a fairly fresh valuation on that piece of the business. So and again, they're not running it anymore. They just got you know, so that that their stake is probably worth four hundred million dollars ballpark. Um, but they've got that. Uh, they've got the what's called Nelnet Business Services, which is kind of my favorite part of of Nelnet. Um, Nelnet Business Services is basically it's an education, technology, services, and payment processing division. So, uh, you know, you get revenue flows from, you know, payment processing. So tuition payment plans, software as a service product. So all you SaaS heads who are feeling a little beaten up, you know, have I got a company for you? Um, and what, but their clients are, Nelnet Business Services, NBS is their clients are about 12,000, 11,000 private K to 12 schools and just over a thousand twelve hundred higher education institutions. So think about if you're running an, an educate a, a large for-profit doesn't matter for profit, but an education institution, once you bring in software you like, Nick, how eager are you to throw out that software system and bring in someone new? Right, the switching cost becomes incredibly high, right? Because once the tuition stops coming in, the business stops running, and, and all of a sudden we don't we can't pay our bills and I all those sorts of things. So very high switching cost, right? If I I can save you five percent. Are you interested? <laughs> Heck no, you know. I mean, like you, you could almost, you know, you could almost say, you know, they're probably protected anything up to fifty plus percent cost savings, if not more. Um, so these are very very sticky clients, uh, and. The interesting thing, and now uh, 2020 is a weird year in general for a great many things. Um, but, you know, so we'll kind of look at pre-pandemic how this business is working. Because uh, uh, basically in 2020, year-over-year uh, -year revenue and earnings were basically flat. Um, but prior to the pandemic, uh, 
NBS, again, the business services, the payments processor, uh, tuition payments plan, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they were running, I believe revenue was running at about a 15% annualized clip. Uh, Pre-tax operating income was running 18, 19% clip. And that's interesting to me because what do you, what kind of a multiple do you put on that? What kind of evaluation do you look at? And uh, like I said, they, they kind of flatlined year over year. But uh, if you want to slap, say, they did about $203 million in revenue last year. Um, what kind of a multiple you want to slap on, on something like that? Four times revenue, which is basically what uh, the market is giving a public competitor of theirs called BlackBod, which is ticker BLKB. Uh, because BlackBod's getting uh, a, four, a 4x multiple on re revenue. It's getting uh, about a 20x multiple on operating earnings. Okay, well, that's $800 million in, in value then. If you're putting, slapping a 4x multiple on um, slap a 4x multiple on revenue, similar to their public competitor, that means NBS is worth $800 bucks, Which is like a third of the market cap. Well, it's it's. Remember, I said you know if if the market cap is what 2.8 billion today, we've already said you know the the 1.5 billion cash is worth like we're. And I mean, I said the communications division, which they now have a minority stake in, but still worth. We know what it, we know what it was worth when the the company that bought the majority stake now what they paid, and we can scale that up, and that's assuming there's no growth. We're kind of out of market cap at this point, Nick. By the time we we get rid of um, the big, the big wad of cash flow coming through. We get rid of black. Uh, we get rid of Nelnet Business Services if we assume it's just valued similar to its public competitor, and we get rid of the communications. We're kind of out of market cap, and I'm not done. Right. So. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, let, let's let's finish that off as well. So Nelnet launched a bank um, in 2020. Uh, if you I look know. At, uh, if you look at uh, you know, this, so they don't do quarterly earnings calls, but they, they do do a call once a year for the annual meeting uh, that the chairman of the company said during that annual meeting back in 2020. They say in the next three to five years, it being a $1 billion bank, they're going to invest a significant amount of their capital coming in uh, from, from the student loan portfolio into the bank. So what potential do you see there for, for that business? Anything over zero is great. I mean, I know they seeded, I think it was only December. I mean, look, I mean, like, uh, you know, I come from a country where we have like five supersized banks and one or two mid-size and then nothing, right? So uh, I know you guys are a lot more familiar with uh, having small and regional banks everywhere. And there's some really great values in that space too, which, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of. Um, but this is still very much, this is a startup. It's a startup bank. And, and while I have great, um, I think these guys have done a really great job over the years uh, going into new spaces and growing in some pretty boring, pretty kind of, you know, plain vanilla financial handling areas. Uh, they don't have a lot of experience in banking, obviously, but they uh, they have a great experience in loan loan origination, student loan origination, because that's the other division we haven't talked about, uh, and, and servicing. And so they're kind of transferring some of that from the government. They uh, One of their other business divisions is, uh, uh, I'm trying to think what they call it here, it's uh, NDS, Nelnet Diversified Services. So that's their student loan origination and servicing arm. They get paid per account. They work for the federal government, for state agencies, banks, and other fintech companies. Okay. Um, they're doing about, they're servicing about 500 billion, give or take loans in, in that space. They're about to lose a good chunk of that business or 
maybe they're going to lose a good chunk of that business. Maybe they won't. Uh, and that's because the government uh, uh, has essentially uh, informed them that, they're, that they lost two long-term loan, loan servicing contracts, which are up pretty much this coming June, so next month. Except uh, one of them, and one of them is up this June. I think one is out another year. Uh, but one of them has, uh, they have the right for, um, they have the right for extensions. And I believe it's already been extended to December, 2021. There's a possibility that it gets extended another two years because what it sounds like is that the government really doesn't have, doesn't have a plan to go to. They just decided they want to, you know, shake up the system a little bit, I guess, or, or what have you. So I, I I'm not too sure where they're going to go with this, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll heavily discount this area, but say, you know, so they're still getting loan servicing fees from NDS and this is going to work well. In the meantime, they're generating uh, new loans. They, they, they still service and manage loans for various federal uh, and private education groups. Uh, they do consumer loans. And I think that's where the, this Nelnet bank is coming in. I, I, I also, a little sidebar. I believe the day they got their bank charter and they were advertising it for a, a while beforehand saying we're, we're applying for this. We're going to try and get this. Um, but the day they got it, I believe it was the same day that Square got their bank charter. And I saw all kinds of headlines. Square is now a bank. Square. I don't remember seeing a single headline about Nelnet. And I'm thinking like, ah, I think Nelnet's probably going to do just as well as Square on the banking front. Um, but I do know they did seed it with about $100 million of their own capital uh, in December. Um, and, you know, I think this is, they're using this as an arm to try to offset some of these, uh, of the servicing for, um, the big federal contract that'll probably go away or some of them will go away. Um, and, and, you know, but even without that, they still had about 50 billion, 55 billion worth of loans for over 2 million customers on their books at the end of last year. And these are absent those big government contracts. Um, you know, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna add. Uh, they're going to start adding via their bank. And I think it's just another, it's another um, I'm looking for a proper metaphor and not struggling for one. Uh, it, it's another arrow in the quiver. It's another uh, brick in the wall, the pink Floyd myself. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I look at this and go, okay, like, and, and look, you, you, I, I know a lot of people, you might debate, um, the morality of their student loan or of student lending in, in general, they might argue that the, that education is too expensive. Uh, I'm, I'm not here to, to litigate that because I can't. Um, I think personal finances, as they say, personal. Um, I certainly benefited from going to school, so I don't mind the tuition I paid, but you're going to pay more today if you replicate my education. Um, you know, I think, I think it's a complex subject, but you know, for now it costs what it costs. We know it's beneficial for the future. We know most people can't pay for it with cash flow out of pocket. And so there will continue to be student loans, I think, for the foreseeable future. It might morph and change, but it will still be there. And someone's got to administer and do, do the boring day-to-day -day administration and servicing work. And Nelnet has a pretty long, pretty strong history. And again, I'm still not done. Yeah, so let's go to the last the last part. I think I think you're going to mention here, uh, Jim. You know where we're going. Well, and also too, they they they've done a lot of things. Like they make acquisitions from time to time. They, the 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 fiber to the home. They they bought um, 
they bought the much smaller version of that. They and they're buying loans all the time. They're adding to their own owned portfolio all the time. Uh, they bought back their own debt when they've had some debt. They don't have a lot. There's not a lot. The debt on their balance sheet, I should emphasize, is tied to the big portfolio student loans. It's not corporate debt. Um, although from time to time they maybe tap their credit line. I don't think they've got anything on it right now. Uh, and they do, you know, stock repurchases and they do a small amount of dividends sometimes. I think they're doing 22 cents a quarter. I'm not going to make you rich, but 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6%, but it's better than nothing. Um, and then they have what I'm going to call a venture capital arm where they make venture capital style bets. And of course, when you make venture capital style bets, you should assume, and I think they've got 30, 32 of them out right now or that they've admitted to, um, a bunch of them, a bunch of those are going to go to zero. A bunch of those will fail, but not all. And one of the ones that I don't think is going to fail, that I think is probably um, the most interest, is a company or a business called Huddle where they own about just shy of 20%. And they've also participated in recent years adding to their stake. So as Huddle has grown and required more capital, they have stepped up and added capital along the way, you know, additional financing. And it's not impossible to think that Huddle, we'll get into what Huddle is in a moment, because I know you, when I mentioned Huddle to you, when we first talked about this company, I'd never heard of Huddle. You had you immediately knew who Huddle was, so that's, uh, there's a generational difference there, I guess. Um, but Huddle, uh, you know, they've attracted Huddle. I, I think Huddle could end up getting IPO'd or spun out at some point, and that'll be very interesting to me. And so Huddle does um, Huddle does essentially. Um, how do I put this this way? Uh, if you are an amateur athlete, a student athlete, an athlete at a high school level, at a college level, junior hockey level, um, and you, you know, you're in any of those programs, the schools will, or the school programs will use Huddle to do tape, to run tape of, you know, to to dissect your play, to work with. You. There's scheduling in there as well. Um, and I know when I've talked to former student athletes, uh, I know a couple of guys who played football at U.S. college. Um, they'd never heard of Nullnet. As soon as I mentioned Huddle, they went, oh, well, yeah, no, we, we used Huddle exclusively. It was the, uh, it was the, um, it was, it was how our school did analysis of our sports performance, period. So, you know, if you're, you know, uh, I mean, I know you've got some thoughts about, you know, the financial implications of Huddle uh, and what that could could be. But I mean, Huddle claims they've got more than six million coaches and athletes in 140 countries, 160,000 teams across 35 sports. This is fairly big. Nelnet owns 20% of Huddle. Um, and the, co the CEO and co-founder of Huddle is on Nelnet's board. And like I said, they brought in some other deep pockets like Bain Capital. So it's, uh, you know, there's, there could be a unicorn hiding in plain sight here that because Nelnet is so off the radar, people don't realize it. Yeah, I think the, the really interesting thing with Huddle is a, is, a, is a couple things. So first off, you mentioned earlier that they have the existing business where they where they do the tuition for, for some of these private schools, which obviously gives them a natural kind of sales pitch to to attach Huddle to some of these kind of private school programs that, that tend to have um, um, some some pretty strong 
athletic programs. So, so I think that that's interesting, and obviously gets gets the, the the athletes in the ecosystem. And what what you can also do is is you can take that and create your own kind of highlight videos, promote yourself, all that sort of thing. If you ever watch, you know, if you're, I follow college football recruiting every year, you'll see these highlight videos of different athletes, um, kind of all their plays through the year. And Huddle is one of the the providers of that. Why I think that's particularly interesting now. Obviously, folks have been more and more involved on social media and all these sorts of things, being able to package their highlights and, and promote themselves. Um, but the thing that, that's really interesting is is we're, the opportunity for, for amateur athletes to monetize their name, image, and likeness is opening up in really a significant way this year. So you saw in 2019, California passed a law allowing name, image, and likeness um, for, I think this is going to go into effect in 2023, the California law. And basically allows, if, if you're a college athlete, you can sell autographs or, or you could maybe sponsor the local, uh, the local car dealership or what have you, which which is runs counter to the traditional amateurism rules you see in the NCAA. And this has been a really huge uh, uh, groundswell. So, so 15 states have passed name, image, and likeness rules to date. Six of them are going into effect in July 2021. One of those is in Alabama. You already see the University of Alabama promoting how we can like monetize your name, image, and likeness a, a, as a recruiting tactic. Um, and we have nine more states that are that are going to go into effect between now and 2025. There was a statement, I believe it was this morning, from Mark Emmert, who's the head of NCAA, saying they would like to have um, a name, image, and likeness rule in place by July 1st, so they have a national standard. And so what you're seeing is, is this obviously is a great tailwind for Huddle, because this is the way you as an amateur athlete can put together, put together your highlights and start mo- start uh, marketing yourself uh, to both programs that are, that are going to be able to to, mon- to help you monetize your likeness and also just, just in general. And so uh, you can see this this tailwind, right? This is this is a, a, a software that is designed to let athletes market themselves. And we have the market for athletes being able to do that growing in, in a really significant way, I think, starting this year. So you've already seen uh, a strong growth for the business over the past several years, and now we're removing uh, what would have been a hurdle uh, uh, to growth from a regulatory point of view. So, so I, you know, I, I would agree with you that I, I think uh, there's a lot of tailwinds behind Huddle, and you could see that company it just in, in just a few years, you know, maybe being as big as Nelnet is. Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing is that Remember that part where I said we pretty much explained the entire market cap just by the big river of cash coming down the pipe, the cable business and, you know, the the business services? I mean, so basically you're getting huddled for free. I like free, but I but you know, I'm 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 kind of cheap, so Right. So, so that's, that was where we're going to kind of end it off here, Jim. Uh, so when you look at the valuation today, what do you make of it? And then also what do you th- how do you think the company looks different five years from now as this the student loan book that we talked about moves on? Uh, okay, well, I will I will make a bold prediction. I don't know how bold it is, but we'll try. Um, my my bold prediction is that uh, they won't in fact lose those servicing contracts that uh, the present administration I think favors. Um, stability because they've got a lot of other irons in the fire you know pandemic infrastructure uh so i think they're actually going to very quietly probably retain a lot of their uh, servicing business could be wrong but that's i i I think that's kind of the which way i think the winds are blowing um but again i don't really care if that's not because i don't really need it um i think that they are going to uh, use that river of cash to move more heavily into the present type of student loans, you know, whether they're facilitating under the bank or using uh, servicing with other financial partners, which they've done. Uh, so I think the uh, 
you know, a lot of the melting ice cube part, those obsolete style loans will, will roll off. But a good portion of that cash flow is going to roll into new student loans because it is a business that they know and are quite good at. Uh, I think they will continue to do a lot of, I, I think they'll probably end up selling the remainder of the communications business. I've got, like I said, I've got it worth $380, $400 million. Um, that's based on what the price was that the minority guys came in and took, or the majority guys took that stake last year. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if in less than five years we see the, the rest of that value sold at five to six hundred million, frankly. Um, and, and I think the, uh, I think it'll be, I, I think I can see there's more emphasis on the, um, more emphasis on the bank, number one, and then also on some of these venture bets. They're also doing some stuff in solar. And I mean, like they've got all kinds of little irons in the fire, right? Uh, and the other part is I look at this and, okay, here here is a business that has, and also if anyone's interested in Nelnet, I would highly encourage you to go to their investor relations uh, site and seek out their annual letters to shareholders. Because much like that company down the road in Omaha, the the, the chairman likes to write an annual letter. Uh, it's very, it's a very um, interesting read. I'll put it that way. These are guys who are not concerned about the next quarter. They're not concerned about hitting Wall Street estimates. They don't care. This is this is a company that is absolutely thinking for the long term and for the health and wealth of their shareholders. And so I kind of look at that and go, I wonder what other little venture things they're going to roll this capital into. Uh, and I, also, I think Huddle will be public by that point. Um, but it's, it's, you know, on a, I, I know it, 2011, 2011, 2021, I'm 10 years in the past fools. Uh, 2021 has been a difficult time for a lot of investors after 2020 turned out to be an exceptionally good year. Um, and I think, uh, I personally think that, uh, I think you want to balance your growth companies and you're really like, you know, the stuff that, you know, makes you happy in, in, in bear market or sorry, bull markets, but maybe makes you unhappy in, in bear markets. I think you want to mix that with some good bedrock companies and you mentioned that little company down the road in Omaha. Uh, that's a bedrock style company. I kind of look at Nelnet and I think this is a bedrock style company that you can buy, put away, forget you own it. You're going to get a nice dividend, probably a growing dividend. Again, that's not why we're owning it, but you're going to get it anyway. Uh, and I wouldn't be shocked, frankly, Nick, to see um, a, a share repurchase plan also ramp up. They've always got one going. They've always returned a little bit of money via share, share repurchases. But if they if they truly do lose the, the servicing end of the business and they don't see a lot of opportunities for some of that cash coming in, it wouldn't shock me to see them buy back significant amounts of stock. Not saying it's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me. And the company is trading at 1.1 times book value today, which is nothing. So, right. And for a company, and the you know people are like, well, there's limitations to book value for a company in the financial services realm. It's a very, very, very legitimate uh, valuation metric to use uh, uh, for the company. And yeah, to, to Jim's point. Um, a lot of times we've heard of the past year folks talking about how much upside companies have, and I think there is some upside to Nelnet, but I think that the really thing that's, that pops out for me is how little downside there appears to be when you start doing the math of the cash coming in and all the other parts parts of the business. Um, may not have the most growth potential on the face of the planet, but it, it's hard to see a scenario where you lose significant capital today. Um, would you agree with that? 100%. All right. Uh, 
well, Jim, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, folks want to uh, keep, keep track with Nelnet. We'll, we'll have you on uh, sometime in the future. Uh, until then, thanks as always. Thank you. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for mixing the show. For Jim Gillies, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.